I'm Luke Story. I'm Christine Loria. I'm Natasha Kingsbury. I'm Angie Check. I am Dr. Aaron Eugene McMorrow. I'm Ben Joseph Stewart. I'm Bliss Young. I am Dr. Jacob Egbert. I'm Kyle Kingsbury. I'm Lily Nichols. I'm Mark Groves. I'm Sarah Gustafson. I'm Jesse Golden. I'm Dr. Stuart Fishbein. I'm Marin Green. I'm Kelly Brogan, MD. Hi, this is Kimberly Ann Johnson. Je m'appelle Rick Safries, et c'est le podcast du Gynécologue Holistique. Hello, I'm Paul Check, and this is the Holistic OPGYN Podcast. Enjoy. Mike Gonzalez, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, man. <laughs> you and I have been uh, talking on a daily basis. We're building out this Born Free Method course, and many of the people who are listening to this interview for the first time may have already, <laughs> they may have found it through the course. So if you, if you don't know what I'm talking about, go to bornfreemethod.com and you can see more. And if you're just listening on the podcast, Oh, I, I should say, if you found it through the course, I hope you're enjoying the course. If you found it through the podcast and you haven't yet found the course, go to the link. You'll see it's the only course you're ever going to need for pregnancy and postpartum support. You and your team at Freedom Builders have been instrumental in bringing this dream alive that I've, I've had this dream for years. And it wasn't until my friend Sarah, who's my co-pilot on this project, you've gotten to know her really well. She and I are so similar and we're so equally dissatisfied with the system. And at one point she had just vented to me on Marco Polo and I, I was like, do you want to build a course? And our friend Jason Picard had put you and I in touch. And uh, in our first meeting, I was like, this is a hell yes from this guy. And the big reason was the reason that you're here today. You're managing this incredible, it's a very complicated operation you've got going at Freedom Builders. You're building these, these renowned world-class courses that are nothing like any courses I've ever seen online. Um, our, our buddy Ryan Sprague has had great success uh, with your team. Jason Picard's about to launch his course. And you're doing all of that while simultaneously being a father. And I think that that's actually a really, really, uh, that's sort of the crux of this conversation today. So I don't think we as men have a lot of great role models. At least our generation hasn't had like this collective of great dads. There might be great men out there, but not necessarily great dads, you know, who are modeling for us the role of a man in pregnancy, in childbirth. So why don't you start by telling your story as a dad? I know you've got a bit of a, a roller coaster story yourself. So maybe just start there. And if, if you want to add anything about Freedom Builders, uh, you know, be my guest. Well, I want to start off by saying that the Born Free Method course itself is one of the most exciting and then also most comprehensive courses that we've put together. The experience that your clients are going to get through this is going to be world-class and it is world-class if you're currently going through it. And I'm sure you know this by now, but, um, but yeah, man, just a shout out to you and Sarah for this really, really good stuff. Right on, man. Thanks for the encouragement. <laughs> Thank you, brother. Um, yeah, crazy story for me uh, as a father. Started into fatherhood pretty early on at 19. Had a, a child with my girlfriend at the time. That kind of uh, springboarded me into this unknown territory that 19. I had to figure out on on the fly. Man, yeah. And we did, you know, figured it out. And uh, I learned a lot through that. And uh, she's ni 19 now. Now with my current wife, I have uh, two boys. Uh, one is eight and one is three. And also the difference between boys and girls is insane Absolutely. as well as I learned. I heard one time someone say that boys will wreck everything in your tangible world, 
like all your material things, boys will just wreck it all. Uh, but girls know how to like ninja stealth their way to <laughs> your emotions <laughs> and just like so true. mind trick you into things. So, um, and yeah, that's definitely my experience as well. But obviously I love, I love them all for who they are. So your little boys were first, you had two boys and then a girl. Is that right? No, no, no. Oh, the other uh, way around. Girl first. Yeah. At 19. Oh, that's right. That was my first right. child. Yeah. Yeah. She's wow. nine and she's 19 now. She's right. currently 19 now. Yeah. And then, yeah, the two boys are, are three and eight. So, um, different journeys, different uh, journeys. but yeah, man, definitely learned a lot <laughs> and definitely grew throughout the process. And actually I was still a kid when I had my first child and, uh, took that experience and have applied it now to, to my current children who are, uh, still teaching me things. So when you were 19, I mean, how old are you now, Mike, if you don't mind me asking? 39. So, you're, so you and I are almost exactly the same age. You've got a year on me. I can't imagine 20 years ago having been ready to be a dad. And I can't assume, I mean, you, you made it work, but I'm curious now that you've gone through two more pregnancies, most recently, three years ago, we were having a baby around the same time as you. Our first is three. Mm -hmm. Our second is now a little over one. I still didn't feel prepared, but as you do this, it's a bit of a practice. I'm curious, what would you have told your 19-year-old self about that journey, about stepping into the roles of a father? And maybe you can counsel your, your younger self now uh, as a wise old man. <laughs> yeah, well, he wouldn't have listened. But um, if I were to talk to him, I would say being prepared is, is everything. And then also expect things that you're not prepared for to show up. But you know, being in a hospital comes with certain environmental limitations that you want to consider, right? Especially now, having gone through three different pregnancies at very different times yeah. in my life and being a different person really every time um, for each pregnancy. You know, if I was looking back now, I would say, you know, prepare for things like food, prepare for things like resting, you know, bring things that you're comfortable with and you know, expect that there's not going to be a lot of room and you're going to be in a room for a lot longer than you may think you're going to be there, which is one of the things I learned. I was like, yeah, you know, you hear these horror stories about like, you know, 48 hour labor and like all these, <laughs> all these different things <laughs> like, nah, we'll be good. We'll be in and out. Right now, my middle, my middle child, my, my oldest boy, we were in there for like 36 or something hours that my <sighs> wife was in labor, which is a long, you know, it's a long time. It's a long time. And also for, for me, she went into labor at like one in the morning. So I had just finished my shift at work. I was working in a restaurant at the time. And then she went into labor and then I had to bring her to the hospital. And then I was up for, you know, two days or whatever, just uh, going through the process. So when you think it's going to be quick, just prepare for it not being quick. So and at any time you could be at work and you maybe time, were partying yeah. the night before and up all night. And now you got a marathon ahead of you. This is the time to start to rest and prepare for this marathon marathon that's coming, both for you and your pregnant partner. So uh, I think that's great advice. Did you have anybody in your life when you were 19 who, who really helped you kind of embody fatherhood? No. No. Yeah. That was when I was 19, I was figuring it all out on, on the fly. And it was basically being in a dream state and just, you know, trying to plug all the holes as, as they appeared. Right. And also like, you know, being with someone and, and who I knew it wasn't going to be a lifelong thing, but now we have this, you know, this child in the mix. 
And, you know, you've got to make not only the dynamic of you and the child work, but then the dynamic of you and the partner that you had the child with try and work. So now you've got all these different dynamics in a brand new scenario that is now all in the mix and navigating all that, plus trying to figure out how to be a father at the same time. It was a period of time in my life where I grew exponentially because of all of this discomfort and all of these trials and things that, you know, I was going through and that's where we grow, right? We grow through the trials and the lessons. And uh, that was a big one for me for sure. But no, I didn't have anyone really to support me. And, you know, your partner at the time, you said it was your girlfriend. Mm -hmm. I'm presuming you guys are no longer together. No. How did your relationship go as a young person now with this incredible responsibility? When I was 19, man, I was still trying to find parties on on the you know university of pittsburgh campus it was beer bonging i was staying up all night and then i'd wake up and study for 15 hours like it was like energizer bunny style but i also had a partner that i was neglecting in college you know and we didn't even have a child i was just doing the thing that 19 year olds do but you didn't have really that opportunity or maybe you did it just had to fit in in other ways what was your relationship like with your partner? And, and I don't know if, you, if you're able or willing to share what happened in that relationship. It seems like an immense stress on a young couple. Yeah, I mean, on any couple, you know, bringing a child into the world and navigating that new scenario and dynamic puts a lot of pressure on yeah. the couple, right? No matter what stage in relationship you're right. in, really. So, which goes to say like, hey, if you are planning on or preparing for bringing a child into the world, make sure that you work on yourselves first, like make sure that the two of you are in a solid place before you add that variable into the mix, because there's like this big misconception out there that I think people do consciously or subconsciously. It's like, Hey, we're not going through the best time. Let's have a baby. That'll fix it. Right. And you know, you want to remember that that adds a whole different dynamic into into the mix. So, you know, being solid and strong in partnership, I think comes first. And then after that, you can consider bringing, you know, a child into the mix. Now that you've done this three times, looking and looking back on maybe your most recent practice run with having a baby three years ago, what sort of activities with your new partner, um, what sorts of things were the center of attention in strengthening not just the romance, but the intimacy and the the, the communication and everything? What what sorts of things come to mind that you were like, we got to dial this in now, Let's let's do X, Y, Z? Yeah. You know, one of the biggest things I learned was being a father and being the male in the role of that partnership is so much more than just being a cheerleader for, you know, your partner as they're going through the experience. Like you've got to be on the field playing the game with them. Right. And, you know, there's a lot of guys out there that think that, you know, they can go in and hold their partner's hands and like cheer them on and that will be enough. And it may be, but it's a whole different uh, conversation when you're actually there calling the plays, you know, and running the plays with your partner. So, you know, that was the biggest thing that I learned, you know, by the time it came around to the, the third one, the third time I was doing this, you know, we were preparing together. We were picking out music together. We were, you know, prepping the room and the, and the decorating the room and like doing all the things together. Right. And then act, during the the actual labor and the delivery itself, you know, we were breathing in sync. We were like looking at each oh, other eye to that. eye. Like we were f- like straight up teammates in the process, right? Because it very much is a co-creation process. Although 
the the woman in the experience is naturally like doing most of the work physically, right? But energetically, it's very much this mm. this co creation process that that has to be put in place, and then that is the most supportive thing I think a male can do in that role when it comes to to delivery. Gosh, there's so many directions we can go from there. There, there is this sort of undercurrent in some circles that, you know, men don't have a role in childbirth. And that may be true. Like, maybe we're not needed there. But gosh, what an, what an advantage a birthing woman has if she has a male partner who is ride or die with them, mm-hmm. you know, who's not only just an advocate and can be loud and strong and puff their chest, but really can hold space for them. And, and that's the energetics that you're talking about. It's probably a little far back for you, but do you remember what it was like? Were both of your your younger kids, your your two boys, were they both born vaginally or by C-section? Vaginally. Okay, so during that that drawn out process, especially that thirty six hour experience you had with your middle your middle boy, what sorts of things were you actually doing in order to to be useful? You know, and and it, you could go beyond just like fixing the pillows, grabbing the water. Like, what sorts of things? And do you think were most um, impactful for your partner that made them feel, you know, comfortable and, and maybe even safe and, and, and seen in the process? Yeah, you know, environmentally setting the room. Um, so there was a certain level of comfort, right? Like you said, not just, you know, fluffing pillows and, you know, moving things around, but also, you know, making sure the music was the way that she yeah. wanted to to hear the music and the song was the right song. You know, we had um, essential oils that were in the room that we were you know, diffusing the whole time. And there was one called Surrender that she really loved that oh, we were diffusing beautiful. throughout the entire uh, birthing process. And, you know, we still have that oil and it brings back those those memories of, of that as well. During the trying, <laughs> trying to get that kid out, she was like <laughs> bouncing on that ball, you know what I mean? So like, you know, helping her, you know, feel comfortable while she was bouncing on on that, you know, stability ball and giving massages and stuff like that that would help the physical body. Um, but then also praying together and, and also like being together energetically and looking at each other in the eyes, like, Hey, like we got this, we're in this together. So she doesn't feel alone, um, throughout, uh, the process as well. And, you know, my, my, my middle boy, my first son, he was born with the cord wrapped around his neck twice and he oh, came wow. out, I mean, blue, he wasn't breathing at all. Um, and they had to kind of, you know, the, the NICU had to come in and resuscitate and all the things. And even during that, like preparing for the unprepared, right? Or the things that you don't foresee and you can't really prepare for. Us praying together when that happened and us, you know, knowing like it was going to be good, right? And and trusting and, and but all those spiritual and energetic things yeah. that, you know, sometimes aren't considered until the last minute because you're just thinking about the physical. Like you've got this really dramatic physical thing yeah. that's about to happen. Yeah. But, you know... In my experience, man, there's only two times that you get to be in the presence of the divine during the human experience. And one is during childbirth, like seeing your child come into the world is the closest you can get to the divine while being a human uh, besides death in, in my, yeah. in my yeah. experience. Yeah. And I would agree talking to all the guys out there um, and the women that may be listening to this, like, don't take that for granted and don't miss it because the energy during that time is so palpable and so powerful that you are literally sitting in the presence of the divine. And if you can soak that in, you will carry that with you for the rest of your life. Yeah. And it's, it's more than a thinking thing. It's a feeling thing. It's the experience of being there and being present with it. 
you use the word surrender, Mike. I, I want to kind of, uh, I think I'm going to use that in the title of the episode, actually, because no matter what we do to try to prepare, and you mean people who are listening to us taking the Born Free Method course, you guys might think you have it all figured out. But let me reiterate, if we haven't reiterated it enough, there are a lot of things out of your control. And in some regards, having that birth plan that's stapled to every door in the hospital and it's at notarized and all of that stuff, it doesn't matter how good your birth plan is. There are still going to be things that you had no idea that you should have prepared for. For example, if a baby doesn't transition well, all that we can do is just pray, hope, um, distract ourselves, you know, whatever your coping you know, mechanism is. I, I liked the idea of going inward um, in prayer connecting to something bigger than yourself, just trying to feel intuitively, feel the experience out, um, as opposed to letting fear and anxiety take hold, take over. But then you've, if you fast forward, now you've got this, this living, breathing child, you know, at home with you. Hopefully, you know, if you're listening, hopefully that was your story. Despite the, the odds, you know, you guys made it out of there. You're at home now. You've got this little baby, maybe co-sleeping with you, whatever. And you have to get back into a routine with your partner, with yourself. Your self-care needs to, you know, be picked back up. You need to get back into work, perhaps. Maybe, you know, even your partner who gave birth needs to get back into work. I always, you know, we always talk about, you know, there's only 24 hours in a day and this and that. And even if you were to schedule it in, what I find is that if I'm not able to be present with my kids and surrender to fatherhood, that I'm really not doing my job. So I'm curious if you could take that surrender theme and maybe roll it into the realities of not only uh, functioning as a professional, as a successful business owner, where everything stops with you, you know, Mike Gonzalez, it's going to come back to you. Like, like you're the man, you're the man in charge. You're also the man in charge of your emotions and how you treat your kids. So, so how does surrender play in now to, let's say how we haven't talked a lot about your three-year-old, how does surrender play into, into your role as a parent now that you have all of these moving parts in your life? Yeah, man. Surrender is one of my favorite topics to talk about because I think it gets a bad rap in our society and people kind of equate surrender with giving up or, you know, you know, however people use that, the, the word, but surrender can be such a beautiful process and it can be completely aligned to trust. And knowing that at the end of the day, you win, like at the end of the day, no matter what happens in the game, if there's an interception or a fumble or whatever happens, you know that at the end of the game, you win. So that interception, that fumble had to happen for you to be able to win. And if it didn't, you wouldn't have won. And by the way, we're surrendering all the time, Yeah. right? We sur you're surrendering right now in the building that you're sitting in, that the person that built that building built it the right way. So it doesn't cave in on you. We surrender every time we're in a car, in a plane, on a bus, like in an elevator, we surrender all the time. And we do it to humans who build these things. But it's such a hard thing for us to surrender to the divine who has our back 100% of the time. Yeah. It's just like an interesting thing yeah. that the human mind uh, goes through in, in the way that we define it in our, in our society. But yeah, I think, you know, the process of fatherhood is a two winged process. And if you only have one wing, the plane crashes, there has to be a commitment, there has to be intention. And that's one of the wings of the journey. But the other wing is, is grace and compassion. And you've got to give yourself grace and compassion throughout the process, because you're learning these things on the fly. We, right. There's no manual. Yeah, for there's this, no right? manual. Like the, <laughs> We're the only animal species that has no idea 
instinctively how to raise our offspring. <laughs> like we're the only ones yeah. and we're yeah. all just like figuring this thing out on, on the fly. So that grace and compassion piece has to be one of the wings. But then of course there's the intention and the commitment, right? So yeah, you're committed to showing up. You're committed to, to making sure that your, you know, your child is safe and fed and all of the, you know, the things that they need, but then also like you're committed for the de- de- developmental things, like the mental things, the, the, the emotional things and the, the support things. And again, just like the birthing process, you can prepare all you want, but there's going to be things that you cannot prepare for. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, you're just yeah. going to learn those things yeah. on the fly. Like, you know, my oldest boy, he had a hard time with potty training. Right. And that was just something that we thought was going to happen with all of our kids. And then, you know, my, my youngest, he just like at two years old, it's just like started peeing and pooping. And he's like, yeah, I just do this now. Like, it's like <laughs> without any instruction, like this is what I do. Like, what are, you, what are you talking about? Yeah. Right. And they have very different personalities. So, you know, the things that you think are, you have anxiety around that you're worried about right now, just because one child does it, the other child be, could be completely different, have a completely sure. different personality right um so that's something that i got to learn on the fly just going through you know different children with with different personalities and those are the things that you surrender to right you surrender to yeah this particular child needs certain things there's needs and wants that they have emotionally and physically that they are asking of you and the other one may not need any of those it may need something completely different and you get to prepare for that too right so it's it's an exciting journey because <laughs> you never know what to expect yeah yeah absolutely you know as a now i'm i'm a business owner myself and i've got these kids and you, you brought up you know instincts and i think intuition kind of can be folded into there when you don't have you know over your entire life maybe before fatherhood you know for many people out there maybe they didn't have kids at 19 they haven't had to practice this for 20 years. Maybe you're 35 and you are a successful whatever, you, you know, even a doctor, you're a successful doctor. A lot of us, I think, act as if we don't have that instinctive sense. And I think it's actually true because we've been so conditioned towards productivity, making money, building this thing, going out and getting it, no pain, no gain, get to the gym, crush it every day, like blah, 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 blah. And that actually that becomes a distraction for the intuitive sense as to what your kids need. I can say I am a, a monster of getting things done. I am so productive. I am so more capable of getting more things done than literally anybody I have ever met. And that is, sounds great. Like our society says, oh, you know, maybe I'm boasting. You shouldn't be boasting about that if you're not able to hear your kids cry and understand that that's a cry for for comfort or a cry for diaper change and this and that. My wife is like, oh, that's a, oh yeah, she's hungry or whatever. I mean, she can tell, but you have to be present with the kiddos for that. And that's not something that necessarily the slowing down process and, and trying to eliminate the distractions and, and optimizing the presence with these scenarios, it's not really incentivized in our culture. So all of this is to say that it is a practice just like anything um, I'm curious, have you, uh, have you met any other men in your life, in your professional circles or whatnot, that you're like, dang, that guy really has this fatherhood thing dialed in, if you wanted to give anybody some shout outs? Yeah, Brett Young from Urban Young, Rod Erb from Urban Young. Um, they're clients of mine, but also really close friends. Taylor Young as well. Um, you know, they have a multi-million dollar 
insurance agency here in Central Florida with multiple locations all around Florida. Like they're literally driving around wow. the state and each of them have uh, two children and they're just, <laughs> they, I don't know, they figured it out. I mean, they very much conform to the two wing process, right? They are committed. They set their intention and then they also give themselves grace and, and compassion because they are very, very busy. Right? Yeah, and yeah. they've got, you know, I think over 50 employees that they're managing plus the multiple locations, but they do an amazing job at being fathers. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. yeah. If I was going to shout anyone out, it would definitely be that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, maybe you'll put me in touch. Maybe I'll have them on the show. Another episode for dads. Yeah, I was just thinking with all of these, you know, young men becoming fathers, you know, archetypal transformations happening. Now we're responsible for these little people. I have two little girls, but that comes with different responsibilities. If you have little boys, raising them so that they have role models. You know, you said that when you were 19, you didn't really have role models to help you be a good dad. You had to figure it out. And in, in some ways, we're all figuring out, as you said. But mm. it, it is helpful to know some of these names. I'm bringing Matt Boudreaux on. Kyle Kingsbury is going to be, you know, is, has been on the show, and um, he's included in the course as well. So, so will Matt and um, Jason Leister, who's Marion Green's husband at Indie Birth. Like these are guys that didn't have more role models. They've had to figure it out, and now they're responsible for raising little boys. So, as a dad, father, you know, you've got a little girl. You've done that, and you're still raising her. But you've got these two little men. As a final kind of rounded out question, how are you hoping to father them so that they are fully embodied men without, you know, not that they have to be weak or super strong, but they have this incredible balance, this delicate balance of the yin and yang. How do we foster this in young men? And hey, you certainly don't have to have this figured out right now, but I'm just thoughtful, you know, I'm very thoughtful about my little girls now. How can I start to to impress upon them the importance of, of various principles or ways of connecting with others. Thoughts on that? I think congruency is very important. You know, doing what you say you're going to do and acting, yeah. you yeah. know, yeah. acting out on what you say, right? So Truly modeling between, it, yeah. Congruency between your words and your actions are, is, is vital. And then instilling a sense of worthiness and instilling a sense of safety. I think a lot of the rooted traumas, if you will, I think a lot of them come from a sense of, I am not enough. I am not worthy. I don't feel safe in the world. I don't feel seen in the world. Right. I feel abandoned, like making sure that those, you know, kind of meta meta trauma roots are not, <laughs> not, you know, <laughs> We all have these things within us because we were raised by people who had them, who were raised by people who had them. So there's different levels and intensities of it, but recognizing it in yourself and being aware of, you know, your patterns and then explaining or demonstrating ways that you are working on yourself to extract these patterns and, and heal them, if you will so that they're not being transferred on to the people yeah. that you're raising yeah. currently, man, I think that's the number one thing that you can do. Like show, show them the importance of self-care, show them the importance of we all are a process and you get to give yourself grace as you're developing and learning. And there's so much pressure on kids these days, man, there's pressure on everyone. But I think there's, there's so much pressure on, on kids these days with, you know, social media and comparison, like all the different things that are being shown up. Like, 
showing a child that, you know, they are, are, are perfect within themselves and anything is possible at the same time, yeah. like creating that balance and yeah. that, you know, is vital and, and being able to, to work on that for yourself and then transfer that energetically because they're always going to be watching, man. They're just yeah. going to be seeing what you're doing and picking up on your energy, right? They're going to know if you are, have those insecurities that are playing out in the world. They're going to know if that self-confidence is so low, if you don't feel worthy, if you don't feel enough, if you're not acting out on it, it's like, they're going to know. Yeah. And then that's going to get transferred onto them compounded with the pressure that's already there in our society on kids, man. And that could just be a, a, a recipe for a lot of really, you know, troublesome things. Yeah. Thank you for that. I, I said that was the last question, but you, you prompted something. I feel like going a little deeper on one thing that you said, uh, is, is going to be really helpful to, to finish this off. You mentioned the word healing. I think a lot of men end up in this space where now they have to take care of another little person. And if they haven't healed, you know, we can use the word trauma because I, I really do think it applies for many men who have been, you know, conditioned to not express themselves fully, to hold it all in, this sort of stoic mentality. Very helpful sometimes, but if that's how you've only been, been trained or, or modeled to live, we bind up all of these feelings. We, 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 you know, we don't practice emoting, expressing, asking for what we want. Instead, we go out and take it. You know, there's this, there's this uh, wounded masculine is really the word that kind of the buzzword right now. How does a man go about opening these doors and, and being held during this healing process? I mean, how did you do that? Vulnerability. Mm. Just sharing with everyone around me like, hey, I am on a journey and I am aware of these things that require my attention. And the reason that, you know, I am acting a certain way or feeling a certain way or, or have this, you know, energy that is being displayed right now is because I'm holding things in versus sharing it and being vulnerable about, vulnerable about it so that we can work through it together. Yeah. And I think that's it's one of the strongest things that, that we can do as, as men is show our children that it's okay to talk about things that we're going through internally right. and then go through a process of addressing and you know healing those things and that shows them strength more than leaving everything on the inside yeah. and not working through them until it just eventually explodes in some sort of whatever form whether that's you know drugs alcohol work you know being a workaholic like just you know anger stuff you know all the different things right versus like hey this is something inside of me right now that I am aware of and I am working through and I need your support, son. I need your support, daughter, as I work through oh, this. So powerful. And we're going to go through it as a team and we're all going to heal together as a unit, as a family unit. Like showing that at the beginning when they're young, dude, how powerful is that as they grow into adults, man? Yeah. Yeah. Mom and dad are are showing that sometimes things are hard. They are not these impenetrable walls of, of knowing everything. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've thought back and as a dad now where I'm like, my mom and dad were just fucking trying to figure this out, mm -hmm. but they never really let on that there was anything wrong. You know, that was mm -hmm. what was modeled for them is you just don't just keep your head down and ride through the wave. You, you may be on the verge of divorce, but stay together for the kids, whatever, instead of really expressing to one another, to us, just how hard it was. I would have had so much more compassion in my teens, in my 20s, man, hell, in, into my 30s, I would have had so much more compassion had they just been 
open to share with me. And I'm not blaming them. They just did what they knew how to do. But now you and I have the opportunity to be vulnerable with our kids and to tell them when they're having a hard time. My little daughter's three and she asks me, how was your, your work day, dad? And I'll say, you know, it's really busy or whatever. And this is like conditioned for her, but she's like, oh, dad, I'm really sorry. Maybe we can play. And it's like, that is everything. Like that is a little girl who's going to be the head of a giant corporation fixing their entire HR department someday. <laughs> and so, and it goes obviously the same for these little boys that are in our lives and every little boy that our, that our girls come across. Like I want them to be teachers for your kids and yours to be teachers of my kids, but we're not, they're not going to have those tools unless we do it. So Mike, thank you for showing up as a dad, as a team leader at Freedom Builders. Why don't you just tell people real quickly where they can find you? I recommend everybody, if you're going to build a course, just go to Mike. It's, it's an easy, easy decision, I think. Thank you, brother. <clears throat> yeah, freedombuilders.com is uh, the website. And then Mike G Coaching on Instagram. Yeah. So you can come hang out with me. Yeah, we'll link it. We'll link everything in the uh, in the podcast description. Mike, thank you. And we'll uh, see each other <laughs> probably in an hour or two, I'm sure. Yeah, I'll talk to you in five minutes. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> Peace. Thanks again. Thank you, bro. Thank you for tuning into this episode. You'll find conversations like this in my Born Free Method course, I found as a young father that I did not have a lot of great resources or role models and in order to guide me into parenthood, into fatherhood, I have sought out some of the masters who are still practicing and trying to become better. And my guest today is just another one of these incredible stellar men out there you can find all of his information in the podcast description. But if you want to, or if you haven't yet found the Born Free Method, you might be listening to this and you're already in the course. I hope you're enjoying the journey. But if you um, want to find more information about the Born Free Method, go to bornfreemethod.com. For the price of admission, you're not going to get just coping exercises for surges in childbirth, right? That's what most childbirth education um, courses cover. How to advocate, how to write a birth plan, how to cope with... You know, how to use a rebozo, how to cope with the, the, the painful surges. That's about 120th of what you're going to find in the Born Free Method. You're also going to get the history of obstetrics and, and midwifery. You're going to get some exercises to work on radical responsibility and owning your decisions and the outcomes of those decisions. Every aspect of lifestyle and functional medicine that I bring into my practice, you're going to get the detailed rundown of how to start implementing these things in your life now, whether you're hoping to get pregnant, you already are pregnant, or you have an in the postpartum experience. You're going to get insights into what it, the role is for a father in childbirth, what a father is at all, which you got a little insights, uh, a little insight here from this interview. And you're going to get all of the other stuff, all of the typical stuff you'd expect to find in a pregnancy and postpartum preparation course. But we're going to go deeper because I'm a medical scientist. I have read the literature through and through. I've gone straight to the authors and asked them for clarification. You're going to get risks, benefits, and alternatives for every intervention that you could possibly imagine in childbirth, including Rogam, vitamin K, GBS screening and antibiotics, induction of labor, ultrasound, the perils of ultrasound, which nobody really talks about, C-section, Breach birth. I mean, it's literally prior history of prior C-section and trial labor after C-section, hoping for a VBAC. You're going to get so much. I, my my co-pilot Sarah and I, Sarah's a uh, Sarah Rosser is a CPM. She's a farm midwife down at Ina May's Legacy down in Summertown, Tennessee. 
we have put everything that we've ever been asked, almost everything, it's hard to say everything, but almost everything into one course. And in addition to access to the course and a vault of other resources, discounts on a variety of products, so many collaborations with other practitioners that made this course possible, you're going to get 12 months from the time you purchase, 12 months of weekly mastermind calls with either me or Sarah. So go to bornfreemethod.com, take advantage of (laughs) this little olive branch to become part of the true revolution that we're hoping and that we've already manifested in our heart, but we're hoping to see happen in this 3D world for the betterment of society through the improvement of maternity care. Thank you for tuning in. My name is Nathan Riley. If you want to find out more about me specifically, go to belovedholistics.com. I still take private clients. I still attend home births. I still provide comprehensive pregnancy and postpartum support, but having this course available is going to let me do more of that one-on-one with clients (laughs) because I can shift them over to the course and they're going to have most of their, their, their questions answered. So thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time on the Holistic Obituane podcast. Take care.